Welcome back to an analytical edition of Canton Bounds, the NFL part of our Campus 2 Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin. And I'm Austin. And we've gotten several reviews highlighting our silky smooth voices here, and we really appreciate hearing that. Uh, But contrary to popular belief, I do think there can be too much of a good thing. So I'm sure you guys might be getting sick and a little fatigued by the sound of our sultry voices twice a week, every week. So we decided to bring on a very special guest for today's show. And I honestly can't think of a better inaugural guest than the guy we have on here today. Uh, This guy has a top tier breakout age. He's absolutely elite dominator rating. And he's quickly becoming one of the go-to sources for anything analytics related, but especially on the college football side of things. Uh, so we're really excited to have Mr. Jarek Backus join us today on the show. Uh, Jarek, how are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, I really appreciate you having me here. I'm just excited. Awesome. Yeah, well, we're really excited to have you here. Um, so we always like to kick off the show with a little bit of uh, some small talk here. And we were talking a little bit pre-show. Um, and you mentioned you had a little glass of red wine there. What are you drinking? Oh, yeah. Oh, just red wine. I have no clue. <laughs> House brand. About that. Okay. Okay. You, you and Alfred probably get your wine from the same place, apparently, because he's. The- <laughs> we get it in those giant rates, twenty four. You know, and just just ship them to our house. We don't even have to leave the house to get alcohol. It's, it's one of those do big, it. one of those big jugs. It's got like okay. no label on it at all. Yeah. Six dollars a bottle, tops. <laughs> Hey, you know those cold those cold Chicago winters. You got to get the you know the booze in there any way you can. <laughs> so true, uh, Austin. Uh, what are you drinking there tonight? So I am drinking a Trogues Mad Elf. Um, Ooh, and if okay. anybody who's not from PA or you know the surrounding area doesn't know, Trogues is a brewery located in Hershey, PA. They are probably my favorite uh, brewery. They're they're awesome. Pretty much everything they make, I love. This particular beer is my actually my favorite beer. It's the only thing I have cold tonight, so that's why I'm drinking it. Um, <laughs> I just makes me sound like an alcoholic. Maybe I should start it. We're gonna cut that. Uh, well, yeah, especially because if anybody doesn't know, Mad Elf is what eleven percent. It's eleven percent alcohol. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's their Christmas beer, uh, and it's really cool. It vintages like a wine, or you know, like other, okay. you know, yeah, um, with the way they make it. So I actually have like the last like six years, I have like you know multiple of each that I you know will occasionally break one out. That this seemed like a special occasion having Jarek on tonight, oh. so. So here we go. It's an honor. Which, which vintage is this? Is this a uh, 2020? This is a 2017, actually. Ooh. So yeah, it's that was that's one of my favorite years. I know I sound like an idiot. <laughs> and Colin, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking another Pennsylvania beer. Uh, I'm drinking a Yingling, but I'm drinking the their new uh, Hershey's chocolate porter. Uh, so I'm a like if I'm just kind of in a casual beer, I like to go with like the the porters, the stouts, something a little bit heavier. Um, obviously, if you're you're tipping a couple back, you can't really have too many of those. But if we're just going casual, I like the heavier ones. I can't think of anything more Pennsylvania either than a Yingling with Hershey's. <laughs> <laughs> That's like all people know us for. So. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, <laughs> So, Jarek, I mean, you were mentioning pre-show, you got a little bit of a beer allergy there. Is that right? Oh, yeah. It's actually a yeast allergy, but oh. it, it only presents itself when I eat yeast in tandem with alcohol. So I can't drink beer because, you know, the yeast-alcohol combination. 
but I also can't eat bread and drink wine or eat bread, hard oh. alcohol, because the same thing happens. I'll just don't want to get into too many details. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> but I'll throw up a lot. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, hey, I mean, you guess you, you can't do the whole, you know, uh, bread at the Italian restaurant for the opening with the wine, but you could always do yep. like a nice cheese plate, nice little charcuterie board. <laughs> we we had just ordered uh, Italian before this, and I had my glass of wine, had my nice, um, had my pasta, but couldn't dig into the bread. And mm. it's always a internal battle with myself do I <laughs> eat the bread or do i drink wine? and usually the wine wins understandable, yeah. understandable. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right well let's uh let's hop into our first segment here we always like to talk a little bit of news and there's a a little thing that happened in the nfl here um this week just you know, might have been a little blip on your radar i don't know if anybody saw it but um, Carson Wentz got traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2021 third and a conditional 2022 second that can become a first if Carson Wentz does play 70% of the snaps or 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs, I believe is the second stipulation on that one. Interesting. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, either way, I think it's a pretty good chance that that becomes a first. So it's not quite the haul that Stafford got, um, that the Lions got for Stafford, but it's still a nice, a nice return. I've seen a lot of people kind of, you know, talking that saying they didn't quite get enough for him. And while I, I'm still a Wentz believer, um, if they were going to move him, I think that was okay. The amount that they got for him, they did get a first and a third, likely a first and a third. But Austin, do you have any, uh, any thoughts on the compensation side of things there? I think it's pretty fair to be honest. And I, th- the big thing with him is, and I think the Eagles were just, you know, it, this is basically a one year reset where you get rid of Wentz because obviously like I, I still think Carson Wentz has, has years left, but it was obviously over there we we have a buddy that um that's a big eagles fan and we were chatting with him yesterday and he agreed he thinks it's you know he 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 actually likes Wentz i think more than most philadelphians but um he he thinks it's over so um yeah so he moves on they get something back you have a year to find out jalen hurts is any good or not if he is great now you surround him if he's not cool you probably take a quarterback next year. So I think this is actually a pretty good position that the Eagles have put themselves in because that is probably going to become a first, you know, you would think unless he gets injured um, with with the Colts this year. So um, I don't know, Jarek, do you have any any thoughts uh, getting him out of the NFC? I know he was really scaring you as a Vikings fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's actually uh, – oh, man. Sorry, I need, to, I need to pause here for a second. <laughs> um, I don't – I mean, Wentz is, he just, I, I'm not a big fan of Wentz from, from the beginning. He, he had, you know, if we look at his advanced stats, if I, if I bring this in a little bit, <laughs> um, Please do. Yeah. Um, he had one of the highest um, rate EPA per play expected points added per play on third and fourth down of any quarterback in his 2017 season, I believe. And he was off the charts in 2017 in that stat, like un, unrepeatable off the charts. Yeah. And so essentially I believe that's why he, he has dropped down to earth since then is, is that it, it was unrepeatable. It's very third and fourth down is very unstable year to year. 
And so um, that's that's kind of why I, I've I've seen his or you could kind of project his regression from his his rookie year. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think after, like you said, the 2017 was pretty much unrepeatable. Like he was on an MVP pace that year until the injury. Um, but I mean, I think I still like Wentz. I think he's still an above average NFL quarterback. Like he's not the type of guy who's going to win you a Super Bowl. He's not going to go win you games, but you can win with him. And I think I'm a little bit higher on the Eagles like roster as a whole than the rest of uh, than anybody else I've talked to because I I don't really see another team in the NFC that scares me. I mean, Tampa looks really good. Obviously, they just won the Super Bowl, but they're losing a lot of pieces on defense. Um, the Rams just added Stafford, so that's pretty scary there. But other than that, it's just kind of like a glob of teams in the middle. And the, the NFC East in particular is really weak. So I don't know. I think if even if they had kept Wentz, I think they could have you know made a shot at made a run at the NFC East with the rest of their roster because they do have an aging roster. Um, but you know, alas, they they do trade Wentz. I think if they were going to do it, it was a good haul they got here. Um, I'm not a Hertz believer at all. Are either of you two guys like Hertz fans? I I wouldn't say a fan fan, but I think he's better than most people think he is. Um, he had a pretty good profile coming out of college, and um, and he has the Konami code upside. Like for example, I would both him and Daniel Jones have the Konami code upside in their their fantasy points and i would i would definitely take hertz over over daniel jones i just think he's he's a better quarterback i agree with that but i think this is like jones's last year as a starter in the nfl <laughs> so, that's a good point good like, point it, based on that like i just don't think he has a lot of time left and hertz might hertz might get two years um so just based on that alone i think i'd rather have the guy that has two years than one year um i i think like, yeah i i kind of agree with that i mean i I, I always border on this because I know Jalen Hurts is a very divisive kind of guy. I I think he is a very good person from everything I hear. I think he's a very high character guy. Um, I just people say, well, Dak Prescott, you know, wasn't accurate and he got accurate, and Josh Allen was was not accurate and he is now. But I think the difference between those two and Jalen Hurts is I think they have much more raw passing talent. Like they both have bigger arms than him, and Josh Allen has that freaking cannon attached to his shoulder. And um, I, I just think they both had more of tools there to succeed. Where even if Hertzby gets a little more accurate, his arm still isn't that good. Like I think he, in terms of starters in the NFL, he's a lower percentile arm strength kind of guy, just from what I've seen. And that's hard to win with if you're like I don't know. It, Lamar Jackson's made a career out of it too. So you know what? I'm not going to rule the kid out, but at the same time, I just think it's hard to get lightning striking that many times in that particular way. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I think for a dynasty asset, I'm absolutely looking to move Hertz like immediately. Like I want to move him right away now that he has like now that he's clearly going to be the starter in Philly this year, assuming they don't draft somebody this year at six, which I think is a possibility. Uh, but I would be kind of surprised if they did it because I do think that quarterbacks are going. There's going to be four quarterbacks that go very early i think three are going to go in the top five for sure you know maybe four that's i think trey lance is going to be right around that spot i don't know if they like trey lance enough to take him there 
who knows? Um, but you know, I think that in a redraft league, which we don't really talk a lot of redraft here, so we'll we'll talk a little bit of that. But I think in a redraft league, I'm definitely interested in Hertz because of like the Konami code that you guys said. Um, I think he'll be he'll be a better redraft asset than Wentz for sure. But in a dynasty or or in any other format uh, that's long term, I would still take Wentz. Um, so we can uh, yeah move on into the next segment here. We're just gonna talk a little bit of shop here with uh, with with Jarek. So Jarek, I mean, I know you're. Uh, if anybody follows you on Twitter, they're at Jarek Backus. Um, if you're not, you absolutely should. I mean, I've started following you a while ago with that database that you put together and that database is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, just unlimited stats at your fingertips there. It's, it's fantastic. And it's not stats you're going to find anywhere else. So definitely give, give Jarek a follow there if you're not, but tell us a little bit about your approach here to fantasy football in general. And then also a little, like a little bit more in the Debbie side of things. Yeah. Uh, really my approach is all about value. Like, so I, I prefer to move players a year or two, like too early versus too late. So I can get those draft picks. And then that's where my scouting comes into play and trying to find the best talents in the rookie drafts. So a lot of people will tell you that rookie drafts are like a 50, 50 hit or miss in the first round. And it drops off from there each round you go. But if you, um, if you drafted based on draft capital and ADP, that, that may be the case, but if you take um, like some simple analytics into, into your analysis when you're scouting players, you can avoid potential busts and, and that hit rate can jump to over 75% in the first round. So I really like to move kind of some of the players before they hit their peak value um, to get those future rookie draft picks and then, and then flip those into into good up and coming players that you can you know move or use to help you win championship. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm a little bit more of like a churn my roster kind of a guy too. Like I definitely prefer to get out a little bit earlier than a little bit too late. Um, you know, it more often than not there's a couple guys that you know you'll hang on to till they ride off into the sunset. I think Julio Jones would be a guy like that for me. Right. But I I am a Falcons fan, so you know, a little bit of bias <laughs> there maybe. Uh, but you know, beyond that, you know, I, I do prefer to, you know, flip guys a little bit too early than a little bit too late. Cause I don't want to get left holding the bag as their value just starts to crater. Um, like for example, last off season, not, not this last off season, but off season before I moved Michael Thomas for multiple future first rounders and, um, another piece. Um, but so, you know, Michael Thomas came out and had the best season of his career two years ago and kind of kicked me in the face. <laughs> but then, but then this year comes along and his value like plummets. So like now would be the time if I'm trying to win a championship that I might see what his cost is and maybe acquire him because that value has dropped, but it might be enough to, to take on that more of an aging player. I say. Yeah, I love that call too because people might be a little bit off of him with Breeze's expected retirement, a little bit of unsure quarterback situation. But um, you know, I, I still think he's going to be not necessarily quarterback proof, but I think he's going to be he's going to have a nice bounce back year this year. I think. Um, but you so you mentioned you know we mentioned your database a little bit there. 
Um, so how did you kind of get started doing all of this really cool, like analytic stuff, putting together that awesome database, doing some of those visualizations that you have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started um, coding in R this last summer. And I was, I was making like, prospect models based on college profiles. Um, and then I, I joined my first Debbie League this summer. So um, <laughs> shout out to, to Drew, Bean Counter. <laughs> um, but that's when I learned that, well, that's when I learned about the Debbie space and C2C for that matter, were sorely lacking in publicly available data and advanced metrics. And so I made it my summer project to build uh, a database that could be used like kind of like Peter Howard's, if you know his, um, but, for, but for the college side. Um, since my database uses um, college football scraper, it, it scrapes from ESPN's websites play-by-play. -play, so it can be updated weekly throughout the season. So you have the most update up-to-date stats. So if you're trying to do like um, trades and stuff, you know, you know, the player value, you know, throughout the season and whatnot. So that's kind of how I got started into making the database. And then um, eventually I just decided to make a Patreon and, and throw it up there for, for everyone else to use. Yeah, I've, I've, I love your stuff, to be honest. I found you, I don't know, a couple of weeks into the year when you were doing those posts on Twitter where you were saying, like, here's, like, the top 10, you know, like, freshmen. Yep. Like, you, you were doing those threads, and that's what, that's yeah. what caught my eye initially. Did you, have a, did you have a pretty good reception with those, I'm assuming? I, not at first, because I started off with, like, I don't know, less than 100 followers um, this summer. And so um, I am, by December, I'm – at 900 but yeah still it, criminal at, at, be, at beginning at the beginning it was it was sludging along is that the right word <laughs> it is now it is now we're <laughs> drinking we're all having fun. <laughs> no we, we we say whatever we want on this show <laughs> so um i guess on the back of that what um you i mean you have a a numbers background you're an engineer correct is that yep yep okay. Um, so I know like you kind of, you know, to have a tent, like you enjoy that area, you know, at least as much as somebody can enjoy, you know, like uh, numbers and all those kinds of things. Yep. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I is, prom been oh, go ahead. no, I was going to say, I promise we're not drunk guys. No. <laughs> I'm only like three sips into this. Maybe I should stop. Um, <laughs> but what, what are like your favorite parts of you know, kind of, or so far on this journey of building this massive database, um, is there anything in particular that kind of jumps out, you know, first, first thought to you? I, so the database is kind of just mixing my love of like evaluating talent at the college level with, with coding really. I'm in my off, like my me time, I'd like to code. And this was a great project to take on to learn coding. And so that's what what drove me to create the beta database and then and then keep it updated and whatnot? Um, I just enjoy it. <laughs> just just love crunching those numbers. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. We I'm, honestly we need people uh, that do that want to do that kind of stuff because, like you said, there's nobody else out there doing it. So um, I know I'm very thankful that I came across your work many months ago and looking forward to seeing where it goes. You know, coming up. Same. Yeah. I, I've always, I've been trying to get more into, into the data because I've always really liked using the analytics there. 
to kind of sort players into like bigger buckets, bigger tiers. And then within those tiers, you know, that's where like I, I like to get into, you know, like with my film evaluation there too. So I kind of use both the film and the analytics to to sort everybody into buckets, but I'm still not like, I'm still not great with that. So like, I love your database and, you know, being able to, to have all of that data accessible right there at the tip of my fingers. But I know there's a lot of people out there that might get, you know, a little bit overwhelmed with some of the data. Uh, and then um, you always have the data versus film. What's one like misconception that you see out there pretty regularly, either with data as a whole, or maybe one particular stat uh, that you kind of want to, you know, address or, or correct, like on the record here tonight? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, on Twitter, I see a lot that people saying that certain metrics don't take everything into account. And therefore, their their importance should be should be discounted because of that. And thing is, most of us, like most of the data people, know that's the case. Um, but when when it can increase my hit rate from 50-50 on rookie picks to 75-25 or whatnot, it's like the process is already showing that it can be successful with without those extra inputs that that we we may not be able to measure right now or can't measure yet or we don't know how predictive they are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that, that's what I would, would say is the one thing that, that I'd like to, to call. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that for sure. I mean, I, you do see a lot of people, a lot of the data versus film debate and people just kind of debunk stats based on, you know, that it's not all encompassing and obviously it mm -hmm. can't be. You know, it's all about increasing the hit rate. So I think when you recognize that, I think that that's something that can definitely be a useful tool there for you. Right, right. Uh, so we'll get into a little bit here more about our process here. Um, so, you know, everybody wants to hear the rankings. That's what everybody comes to comes to shows for. That's what everybody wants on Twitter. People are just fiending for rankings. So, Jarek, how do you kind of go about starting uh, you're building your rankings. It's maybe for somebody who hasn't done it there or somebody who hasn't done it from an analytics perspective. Yeah. Um, well, as we talk about, have talked about a decent amount already is, is finding those players with the highest hit rates. And, and for me, those hit rates are measured by looking at past players' profiles and seeing how often they're successful at the NFL level. And so I use their college metrics like yards per team, pass attempts, weighted dominator, which is dominator rating is like a 50-50 reception yard market share, reception TD market share. Well, that just moves it to an 80% reception yard market share, 20% reception TD market share. There's a little different weighting, but it's more predictive to the NFL level and for fantasy football. Um, and they also take into account the level of competition and then sort those out by the year in college. And that's what I, that was a long way of saying, that's what I do to put their <laughs> profiles together. Um, but I'll generally rank players into different tiers based on their hit rates. Um, and then arrange those profiles based on the ones I like the most, the ones that match up to, to doing the best at the NFL level. And then I, I do, um, believe it or not, take opinions of film watchers into account <laughs> when I'm doing my rankings, especially for for rookie ranks. I kind of like to to sort them out by hit rate, the ones I like um, based on tiers in their their hit rates, and then um, kind of sort within the tiers based on film opinion. 
and it's it seemed to work for me so far. Yeah, Austin, I know you have a little bit of a different approach. You're a little bit more of a film guy. I mean, you definitely factor in the analytics as well. I've seen you mention on Twitter a little bit about your process, but um, so a little bit of a different perspective there. Kind of how do you go about building your rankings? So I do like literally the exact opposite of Jarek. Because <laughs> like, yeah, I, 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 it probably, probably. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I um I guess I've always had the mindset that if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down on my own terms. And I always feel like the numbers is like somebody else's terms. I don't really know. Um, but I, I, I do the, basically exactly what Jarek does. I just do the opposite. I watch as, you know, all these guys that I can. Um, and then, you know, once I have them kind of tiered up, then I make the separation based on, you know, their breakout age, dominator. Those are probably the two big ones I use. I mean, I'm aware of some other ones. Um but th- those are probably the two big ones that I kind of shift things, you know, within because I feel like for some of them beyond that, you know, some of those things, you know, maybe it's not necessarily quantifiable by tape, but you can pick some of those things up in terms of, you know, what like their a dot is. I know some people like to look at that or, you know, th- things like that, that, you know, I, if I watch four or five games of a guy and I'm like, this dude catches everything within six yards of the line of scrimmage, you know, I, I can pick that up with, with viewing. So um, that's never been a big a uh, big issue, but that's uh, that's kind of how I do it, and I am trying to introduce more the difference, you know, uh, analytic type uh, statistics into my evaluations. I'm just I keep toying around with like how I want to score those kinds of things because last year I introduced analytics, and I think like I think um, when I give like actual scores, it it's tweaked my film grades a little more than I was happy with. So I think there, I have, I still have yet to find like my perfect marriage of the two. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm trying to tweak my process a little bit more as I'm starting to incorporate some more rankings here or uh, more analytics into my rankings. Um, I mean, Jarek, I know you mentioned like the weighted dominator rating. So as somebody who's pretty uh, illiterate when it comes to stats sometimes, is there a particular reason that they use the 80-20 for yards versus touchdowns? I mean, I know touchdowns aren't nearly as predictive. Like, that makes sense. But is there a particular reason for that specific 80-20 breakdown? Yeah, so that's based on work that I believe Anthony Amico did at um, Rotoviz. He looked at reception yards market share, reception TD market share, dominator rating, and then um, looked how to optimize reception yard market share versus TD share. And um, it came out to be the 80-20 split. And so that's why Weighted Dominator came to be. Okay, nice. Yeah, I've always kind of wondered about that personally. Yeah, I've, seen, I've seen it mentioned like all over, but I don't know. I didn't know a lot about the split. Yeah, because I don't like using Dominator because it definitely weights TDs too much. And, and they're more random compared to yards. So here's a question for you, I guess, in relation to this. Because I, I have been waiting my own but i a didn't realize that there was like a before you you know i started talking to you there was like an accepted you know 80 20 split is there no predictive um you know whatever value from receptions as opposed to yardage um that's a good question i i i don't know i haven't okay. seen the work i've have seen hasn't really taken receptions into account and I don't, I can't say if that's because they've done the work in the background and found that it's not as predictive or, or what, but um, I know the generally accepted and by the, the people who've done this longer than me in analytics, um, 
um, is is using the reception yards market share and TD market share. Gotcha. Yeah, I've seen that too. I've always thought that you know maybe if you're obviously it stands the reason like if you're a dominant player on your team that you probably have more, a, a bigger share of the reception pie as well. So I was always kind of toying with how to incorporate that too. But like you said, you just the guys that I trust, like you, Peter Howard, Anthony Amico, some of those other guys you mentioned too, none of them use receptions. And you guys are all way smarter than I am <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. So, you know, I uh I'll I'll lend a you know, I'll lean on your expertise there and 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 factor in the 80-20 model from here going out. But I think that was a great question, Austin, about the the receptions, because that's always something I've wondered about too. Yeah, that was a good question. Um, so we'll move on here to another topic here that can be a bit contentious at times. Um, obviously, everybody likes to point out the outliers, the guys that the analytics miss on, the Terry McLaurins, you know, the Michael Thomases that we brought up earlier, you know, guys like that. Everybody likes to point to those. So as an analytics guy there, Jarek, how do you handle, how do you treat the outliers? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That, that depends on the cost and the type of outlier, I'd say. So if, like, if you're taking a shot on outliers in the first or second round, that is generally just a, a no-go for me, especially in the class like this year's class. Um, but once you get to like the back of the third round, though, like hit rates are so low anyway that, that I couldn't fault anybody for taking a shot at an outlier at, at, that, at that price point. Um, but, but so... Um, Let's say we're talking about an outlier from a production standpoint, um, and they didn't do anything in their first three years in college, and then they blew up in their fourth fourth year. Um, and that's an outlier that I wouldn't bet on early whatsoever. But if but from another perspective, if it's if it's an outlier based on like height or weight, um, which doesn't seem to have a ton of predictive value, like those those um, values on their own, um, I'd make that. I'd, I'd be comfortable making that bet on them early because there's it's just not not predictive whether they'll hit or miss based on their weight. So let's let's just um, let's put a name to this if we're talking about this. Like let's say this this random person is named like um, like Kadarius Tony. Let's let's call him Kadarius Tony. It's <laughs> a great name. It's a great name. I know. I just came up with that off the top of my head. So so can't say, can't say great player, but great name. So so let's say that we have this guy, and his name is Kadarius Tony, that I totally just made up in my head, and he is what you're talking about. He is the you know didn't do anything his first three years and hits that fourth year. Um, how much like do you let context explain that at all, or is that just totally out? Because I've heard people try to explain this hypothetical person's hypothetical context <laughs> <laughs> i mean so uh, there's there's different ways you can you can take the context into play like you could have Kadarius tony's um production where he didn't do anything for three years and then exploded in the fourth year um but in his first two years he was being outproduced by guys like grimes and and people you you haven't heard of and don't matter um, but if you if, say we were taking somebody else like um, Terrace Marshall, who didn't, from an analytics standpoint, from a reception yard share standpoint, didn't do a ton until his third year, um, I would be, I'm, I am much more comfortable explaining away the, the lack of production by Terrace Marshall than I am a guy like uh, Kandarius Tony. 
and Marshall was an early declare, which helps a lot too. Interesting. Uh, so you also mentioned about you, you, you look at the production and you don't really like the guys who don't do anything and then have like one explosive year, but you mentioned that you don't really aren't worried too much about weights and size and anything like that. And I think there's a very obvious name that comes up when you, when you're talking about weight and size, but still being productive and that's Devonta Smith. So from an outlier standpoint there with Smith, um, is he somebody that you're, you would be interested in still? At the right price. Um, so I guess I'd say if he was around the fifth to seventh wide receiver taken off the board, I might come away with some shares of, of Devonta Smith this, this off season. But if he's going, which it looks like he's going one, two or three, I, I would rather have Bateman over him. I'd rather have Rondell Moore over him. Who's another outlier from the height <laughs> standpoint, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm Moore's a thick, Moore's a thick boy though. He's got, he's, you know. he is thick. Yeah. Where we, if we're talking Elijah Moore, I'd rather have Elijah Moore over him. Okay. Wow. All right. I like that. I like that. I, I like more a lot too. Um, I, I'm a little bit lower on Smith than most people I see out there. I'm not, I don't have him in my top three. I have him at five right now for me. So it sounds like that's where you'd be about comfortable taking him. You know, if he was sitting there fifth receiver, you know, the, the top, your top four receivers are off the board. And I mean, if you're going to take Elijah Moore over Smith, I don't think you'll, you'll be put into that situation too much, but hypothetical Moore is off the board. Your top four guys are off the board. You're sitting there and it's the 112, 111, 112. Are you taking Smith? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> and this wasn't even on the show sheet. So this is, this is cold. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. One ah, it's tough to take him in the first round. So like if he was dropping to the, the mid second. Okay. But like, Diami Brown's still on the board. I'd go him. He's he is. I I think he's my seventh ranked wide receiver right now. So I also got okay. Terrace, Terrace Marshall over him, whatnot. So if those those other guys are still on the board, then I'm I'm taking them. Yeah, I don't think it's a position you'll be put into often. Um, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm comfortable with it. Uh, okay, so I think this uh, is actually a pretty good segue into our next segment here. We're going to deal with a little bit of a game. Um, oh, it's a question. I know, but it was just a natural transition okay, here. Fine, but all right. Fine. All right. I think, Austin, that, I think like, this is, this is a very a, interesting question. In my it opinion. is. It is. And I was going to circle back to it at the end, but Austin doesn't like my driving. He's, <laughs> he's a backseat driver over here. So I'll stick with the show sheet. I'll stick with the show sheet here. Despite this very easy, smooth transition to a Diami Brown, it's and noted. Moore, okay. it's but, noted. But I'll move into the next question because it is a very good question. Um, so the question is, you know, uh, we were talking a little bit about our draft boards here. Is there a time where you go off of your draft board at all, possibly to diversify position wise, or you know, if there's a guy you like that has like a higher ceiling? You know, if it's close between two guys, is there ever a time you go off of your draft board? Yeah, there's times where I'll I'll deviate from my draft board. It depends. Like, so say I'm drafting in my my home league where you know there's some high stakes. You know, I probably I'll stick with my draft board and I'll I'll go with the guy that I like more. But I'm in a lot of leagues, so if I'm in one of these other leagues, 
I, I've drafted the same guy like three or four times, but they're in the same tier as another couple guys that are still on the board. I I have definitely taken those other players over the the one I had ranked higher. Um, I think a good example of that would be like last year with T Higgins and Ayuk and I believe Mims all being in the or Chenault, sorry, Chenault all being in the same tier. Um, and, and I was getting a lot of T Higgins, but I ended up in, in a couple of places. I would, I would take Ayuk over, over, um, Hig, um, T Higgins just to diversify my, my portfolio a little bit, if you will. Well, Hey, if you're getting a lot of Higgins, that's not a bad thing. Um, and I'm getting an Ayuk there instead of him in another place, not a bad thing either there, especially if you're trying to diversify and spread out your, spread out your hit rate a little bit. Austin, since this was such an important question for you that you had to completely interrupt the show, throw it off the rails. Uh, do you care to take this one away? Do you ever go off your draft board situationally? I have like that sense of like moderate embarrassment, like deep in the pit of my stomach now. For, <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like it's here. <laughs> Just like no. sitting here sweating as they're trying to have. <laughs> no, you were. You're absolutely right. Like this is a great question, and it, it's. I was very glad you put it on the put it on the show sheet. There, it's definitely something we can address. I was just obsessed with the natural transition. Um, yeah, I mean, so I think Eric, the, the three guys you brought up there were like the, the scenario I was thinking about when I was kind of thinking of this question, because that did the same thing last year, you know, it was Higgins, it was Chenault, it was, it was him. And then even, you know, after that, it was a little bit of Chase Claypool. I think I took him in, in a spot over one of those guys just, just to get him somewhere. Um, so I will diversify a lot. I mean, I'm in at least 12 leagues. I'll probably add a couple more this off season. I don't want to, you know, if I have the 201, I don't want to take the same guy at every single draft at that spot. Um, mm-hmm. That's not so fun. Um, you the you'll stay within tier though. Like you won't you won't drop a tier. Yeah, not not too much. I, I wouldn't want to lower my hit rate. I guess by by reaching like that. That's fair. That's fair. I, I guess I, I would consider it if it's close. Um, and there's a guy like maybe I know that yeah. like, you know, I really like that's like the top of my next tier and I know he just won't be there. I really want him. Um, then I guess maybe he should be higher in my rankings. I don't know if that says more <laughs> about me. I mean, <laughs> you know, if it's if it's the last draft of the season and you, you really want that player, maybe you go and get your one share. What about yeah. you, Colin? Um, so I don't really go off of my board too much as far as like within a position. Now I will diversify a little bit position based on position. Now, first round, I'm always, I always try to take the best player available. I always take my, the highest guy on my board early second round. I'm, I'm along the same lines as well. But then when you start to get into, you know, the little mid to late second round where, you know, the hit rates start to, to drop a little bit for everybody. Uh, I'll go outside of my draft board and I'll take, if I, there's a position that I need, like, you know, let's say I don't feel great about the, my running back situation and there's a wide receiver that I have ahead of my running back, maybe even two wide receivers, three wide receivers ahead of the next running back. I'll still probably lean on that running back as long as it's somebody that I have, you know, more or less within that same range too. So I'd go off my board a little bit, but mostly just positionally. That sounds like a Javante Williams comment. <laughs> um, a little bit. It was a little bit of a Javante Williams comment, although I don't think I'm going to get any Javante Williams this year. He's going to go earlier than I'm ready for. 
but all right, now we'll move into the game here. And you know, the, the premise of it, we're going to toss out a name of an incoming rookie and we'll give a few names of guys, you know, NFL side or college side, and we'll pick, you know, who we would rather have and why. And Jarek, I know this is your guy here. You mentioned him um, and that's Diami Brown. Um, so we'll kick this off to you here. Um, who would you rather have when it comes to Diami Brown or like a Rakeem Jarrett? This is really close for me, but I actually have to lean Rakeem Jarrett on this one. I mean, his his freshman season was just so good. I I would I would take the possibility of what he could be over what Diami Brown is right now. I like wow. that. Wow. That surprises <laughs> me. I mean, I I tried to come up with names that I thought you also liked for this the sub ones. <laughs> like wanted to make it straight. hard. Because the next, yeah. the next one I think is is going to be very interesting. I'm interested to hear what you say about Parker Washington versus Deami Brown. <laughs> yeah, so it's natural segue. Austin, how about you kick that question off there? I mean, you could have just jumped right in if you wanted. Oh, I, Jarek, I, I want to hear what you say first because I think you're a little higher on Parker Washington than I am, but I also think you're higher on Deami Brown than I am. So I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, you work your way out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Parker Washington also had a really good freshman season. I He doesn't have the prestige with his name that Rakeem Jarrett does, um, but I this one is probably the toughest one for me because um, his his freshman season was so much better than than Diami Brown's was. But Diami Brown destroyed in his his sophomore and, and junior season, um, so I, it. You have to project Parker Washington forward, whereas we have Diami Brown um, already performing at that high level. So I think I got to go Diami Brown here. It's it's just the closest of margins, <laughs> but I think I have to go Diami Brown. My goal was to make our guests as uncomfortable as possible during this segment. <laughs> I'm, s- I'm sweating. I'm sweating. You're, you're very good at making people uncomfortable, Austin. I do that a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, so, uh, we, we hit two college names here. Let's hit, uh, let's hit a guy who's in the league right now. Um, what, what about Diami Brown versus Deontay Johnson? I'm taking Diami Brown there. I don't think Deontay Johnson is great and he's pretty inefficient as a player. So I will, I like Diami Brown's profile a lot more than Deontay's. Okay. And Austin, as a Steelers guy there, uh, I know your beloved Juju is is heading out of town there. Looking like Deontay is probably going to be the lead wide receiver on the team, if not maybe necessarily the wide receiver one in name. That could be Claypool just based on the size and everything like that. But um, you know, who would you ta- who would you rather have between Brown and Deontay? Yeah, that one's close, but I think I lean Deami as well. Um, and I, I think I'm probably like if you ask Steelers fan, I'm probably like the lowest Steelers fan on Deontay Johnson. Um I agree with Jarek. I think he's just very inefficient. And I think some of that is, um, you know, just the fact that Ben couldn't throw far last year. And I think teams figure that out pretty quickly. Um, well, I mean, if you call 11 games quickly, but, <laughs> I mean, they figured it out eventually. We'll put it figured that. it out when it mattered. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I, I do think that that, you know, that probably held him back a little bit too, but we're not, you know, I'm an, I'm a numbers guy now. I mean, that context, you know, it, you know, it's not factored <laughs> into the numbers. So that means nothing. So I'll, t- I'll take Deami. 
<laughs> we got Austin converted. Austin, new numbers guy. Uh, I'm, buying a, I'm buying a graphing calculator as we speak. That's what I'm sitting here doing. <laughs> you guys. So. Why use a graphing calculator when you got Jarek's database? That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> um, so last guy for the Diami Brown uh, uh, game here. We got Robert Woods versus Diami Brown. Uh, any particular way you lean on that one, Jarek? I would lean Diami Brown on this one too. Robert Woods is starting to hit that age threshold, that kind of over the hill, if you will, as a as an a dynasty asset. So I think I go with the younger Diami Brown with the the potential of hitting a a player with a really high ceiling. That's interesting. I I like Robert Woods. Um, you know, I think I'm going to end up being higher on him, especially with Cooper or uh, with Matt Stafford coming in because. Um, Cooper Cup, I feel like a lot of his value is tied into his relationship with Goff. Um, I mean, Cooper Cup's a good wide receiver. I like Cooper Cup, but I think with Goff out of town, you're going to see Robert Woods become the clear wide receiver one in that offense. So, yeah, he's a little bit older um, for sure. I think he's, what, 27, 28? 28, um, yeah. 28. I'd um, say he's the same age as me. <laughs> so he's like, old. Yeah, he's the hell. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I would probably lean woods there, but I, I do think that's cause woods has, you know, a year or two of wide receiver one production coming right now. Um, and I'll, I'll take that production right now. Yeah. I think that's where it comes into me selling players who are starting to go over the hill and yeah, with the, with the younger production, I think his value could surpass Robert Woods's value in the near future. Yeah, I definitely don't think you're you're off base with that. I I just I don't know if Diami Brown's ever going to be a wide receiver one for fantasy. So I think I can get that production mm-hmm. from Woods. So I'll stick with Woods personally. Okay. Okay. Um, but we'll move into uh, we'll move off of Diami Brown here. We'll move into the next guy, who's another one of your guys, um, and that would be Elijah Moore. Um, so Elijah Moore is a guy that I do like a lot too, uh, but I really like the guy that, you know, we're going to, co- we're going to, you know, compare him to right now. And that would be Jermaine Burton out of Georgia. So, uh, Jarek, who would you take out of Elijah Moore or Jermaine Burton? Man. Yeah, you really, Austin, you really made these <laughs> questions, uh, and difficult ones. Um, I, I am going to go with Elijah Moore on this one with the, he he was just so dominant in I mean in both his sophomore and junior season he was basically unstoppable and so I'm I'm gonna go with that that proven you know sophomore and junior season over the over the the good freshman season but there's there's more projecting you have to do with with Burton versus Elijah Moore. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I like, I, I do like Elijah Moore a lot as well. Um, and like you said, he had a dominant sophomore year, an absolutely dominant junior year. I mean, through eight games this year, he had 86 catches, almost 1200 yards and eight touchdowns and in the sec. And if that's not dominant through eight games, you know, I don't know what is, um, but, just, uh, just saw a stat today that he had, uh, the same amount of 200 plus yard games as Devonta Smith this season oh. Forgive them. and in fewer games. Yes, and I I do like Jermaine Burton. Like I am a big Jermaine Burton fan, but you know I think Pickens is going to be the guy there this year. Uh, Pickens will probably leave after that, but it's still a pretty Georgia 
has nice talent there on the offense as well with uh, Arian Smith, Marcus Rosemey. Um, you know, so they're, they have a lot of talent there. And even at, at wide receiver, at tight end there, uh, Darnell Washington, I think is a guy who's going to get some work. Um, so I do like, I do like Burton, but I would, I'm with you there. I think I would lean more as well. Um, and then the next guy on the list there we have is Elijah Moore versus uh, Odell Beckham, who's a guy who's, you know, you talk about hitting that cliff and his value kind of plummeting. I think Odell Beckham's kind of towards that point right now. So who would you take there between Moore and Beckham? Yeah, if I'm making this pick off of pure production, like I needed to win this season, I would pick Odell Beckham in that spot. But if I'm if I'm going based on value, it would definitely be Elijah Moore. It's I think yeah, like you're saying, Odell Beckham is kind of getting to the back end of his production curve, and Elijah Moore is just starting off. And so I think yeah, he's I think he's going to be a good NFL player and be more valuable than Odell Beckham. Yeah, I mean you're start, you hear a little bit of chatter about Elijah Moore, um, you know back end of the first top end of the second when you're talking NFL draft. So um, if he gets that draft capital along, yeah, I'm with you. I would probably lean more over Beckham, especially with Beckham's injury here. Um, you know, we don't know if he's necessarily going to be ready at the start of the season. Um, I think he's probably, you know, he'll probably be ready. He won't, I don't think he'll be ready for camp, but I, I would guess he would probably be ready like week one, maybe week two, three, if he's not. Um, and then, you know the last guy that we have, the last guys we have here for Elijah Moore, uh, for a comp. There would be any of the Clemson wide receivers, and they have a bunch of them right now that are all kind of it's kind of muddled. They're kind of all in the same tier for me. You got EJ Williams, um, you got Justin Ross announced that he's coming back. Uh, you know he had that stellar freshman year, and yeah. then you got two other guys who good uh, you know size speed profiles in uh, Ladson and uh, Nada. So I'll throw this one to you first, Austin. There is there any of the Clemson wide receivers that you like more than more? I want to like all of them more because I think they all have more of like the classic size speed combo, but none of them have that production that he has. Ah, it's such a tough one. I was hoping this was the one I could sit out. Um, <laughs> you've, been sit- you've been sitting out a couple of them. And the problem is like they all have their pros and cons too. Like Justin Ross had a huge freshman year and then obviously not quite as good of a sophomore year and the neck thing. It makes him risky, but I think his upside is probably higher than more. Williams looked solid this year. Obviously didn't hit any sort of breakout thresholds um, with a lot of guys in front of him. Um, but I think he probably will next year. But I think people are also forgetting just, you know, Nada was banged up a lot this year and missed some time. And Ladson, I've never been a huge fan of, but he's there as well. Another big, fast guy. I tend to not love the smaller, like, the like I think Moore is just a slot guy. Like, I don't think he can play boundary at all. I think all those other guys can. Weighing that up, I think I would have to see Elijah Moore's landing spot before I'd be comfortable making any, like, that trade going either direction okay um jared do you have any strong feelings about any of the clemson guys there at all it's the clemson guys are just a mystery bag really it's it's tough because yeah justin ross one of the best freshman seasons in the database i top half top mm, sorry i'm getting too technical here (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, a top quarter season um, as a freshman in the database. So if if he was following up on on that season, I would have I would take Justin Ross, no doubt. But with him having to go out this injury and or surgery and um, coming back, it's it's his fourth year, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so not, not necessarily that makes it because there's, there's excuses for him staying till his fourth year. Um, but there's a lot more projecting that you have to do with his, his profile now that he's been out for a while and we don't know how he's going to return. Um, so I would, I would still take Elijah Moore over, over the profiles of, of that team's roster or that team's wide receivers. Yeah. I like, so Austin, you brought up about, you know, more being, mostly just as pretty much just a slot guy pretty much exclusively and um i think you're right there i mean his he's got he's got a decent build at a five nine frame um you know so so i'm not too worried about how him holding up or anything like that but i think you're right you know definitely a slot guy but i think those guys can still be very productive um you know for for fantasy purposes he he probably won't elijah moore probably won't ever be a team's wide receiver one um, but I think he could be a high-end fantasy uh, option there. So the only guy out of that group of Clemson guys that I would take over more right now is Ross. And I know there's that injury risk, but I mean, you hit you hit it, uh, Jarek, whether you said that he was in the top uh, top quartile of uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember the I remember the box and whisker. There it plots. is. I remember those box and whisker plots from stats class. Love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was. I know he was in the top quartile of freshman seasons. So, yeah, I uh, I would probably lean Ross over more just because I think Ross has a monster ceiling potential. I, I will um, agree. I think Ross probably has the the highest ceiling of the group here. Right, and uh, so we'll we'll move off of uh, off of wide receivers here. We'll move into the running backs. And uh, we'll move into a guy Austin mentioned earlier, uh, Devontae Williams, who's a guy that I'm a little bit lower on than most. Um, and Austin, we've talked about this a little bit too. I know you're a little bit lower on him than most as well. So I know exactly where you stand on him on pretty much all of these guys that we're going to list. But uh, I'm definitely interested to hear, Jarek, your thoughts on Javante Williams versus uh, one of Austin's favorites in Jameer Gibbs. Well, I guess he's one of my favorites too, because I would oh. take him over Javante Williams for sure. I mean, that freshman year production, it it's one of the best indicators to to NFL production. You you, you dominate at the freshman year and you're gonna get touches the next year. You're gonna be highly drafted generally. Um so I like give me Jameer Gibbs because because he looks like good talent. Yeah, when it comes to um you know, pass catching backs there. I mean, obviously Jameer Gibbs looks fantastic from a pass catching back. So this is off the show sheet a little bit here, but how, how do you, much do you value pass catching ability in a running back just from like an analytics perspective? It's always something that's been a little interesting to me. Yeah. So, um, one of the, the, um, metrics that I look at most for running backs is called adjusted yards, adjusted yards per team play. And so that's like a, a weighting of reception yards are two times as valuable as rushing yards. Okay. So Jameer Gibbs actually um, is, is pretty high in that metric compared to, to most other running backs that, that we see. So he's, he's looking good. And so that, that weights 
um, reception yards as more important at, because they're more important when you're when you're um, get to the NFL as well and, and for for fantasy points too. Does, does be, a great does, stat. Does Bijan break that ranking? Like that rating? Because like, <laughs> yeah. his he averaged like a bajillion yards per reception and carry last year. <laughs> I want to look that up because that is <laughs> he was going to destroy that. Yeah, I mean that's a great stat. Honestly, I, I so like I said, I, I'm not a stat guy. I want to be more into it, so I'm trying to like pay more attention to stuff like that. But that's not a stat that I've really heard much anywhere. Is that? Yeah. Uh, so go ahead. Sorry. So yeah, Take I want to add that 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 was also created by Mr. Anthony Amico. Um, he just does so much good work in the in the fancy space. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, he came up with that and he uses it in a lot of his models, a lot of his decision trees and stuff. And so I've kind of adopted it from from him. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask where if you had come up with that or where it had come from, because um, that sounds like a really interesting stat. It's definitely something I want to dive into more. Is that something you have in your database? It is. There we go. Yeah. There we go. I'm going to have to dive into that one. <laughs> uh, all right, so we know uh, we know you're really high on Gibbs. So that's yeah, based on his uh, freshman year production here. We'll move into a guy who has zero production right now, and no that's pro, no profile, baby, no yeah. profile. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be incoming freshman going to Ohio State, Travion Henderson, who is pretty much the clear cut. RB1 for sure, and he's a lot of people's 1-1 in uh, freshman drafts for C2C side. So how do you value a guy like Javante Williams versus a guy with no production like Travion Henderson? That is a, a good question. <laughs> I So from being from the data side, we don't get a ton of input or, or much data from the high school rankings. And even if we did, it wouldn't be all that useful because <laughs> – the competition levels are just so varied and, and whatnot. So I actually have to rely on a lot of um, film watchers for the freshman rankings. And from what I hear, um, <laughs> he is a fantastic prospect. And I would probably take what his potential of what he could become over Javante Williams. Okay. Awesome. What about you there with, uh, I know Devontae Williams isn't really your guy, but, um, you know, if we're talking, let's, let's remove C2C where we assume that Travion Henderson's going to get that really solid production, you know, from Ohio state over these next couple of years. And let's just talk specifically from a Devi perspective right now, where would you have the, the two between Javante Williams and Travion Henderson? I only know how to speak in terms of C2C now. I wiped everything else from my, <laughs> no, um, that's a really tough one um, because I think. That's why I wanted to frame it that way. Yeah, yeah you made it tougher for me. That wasn't very nice. Um, so, so I will say, and I've said this on Twitter and stuff before uh, for people to follow me on there. I'm not as much of a believer in the uh, valuing a guy that's coming into the NFL more earlier more than a guy that won't be there as early i that that's that i think is an old um kind of thought process i think more and more people are drifting away from it but i think like that is the traditional thought you know if there's a guy that's one year out and a guy that's two years out you take the guy that's one year out unless they're just like so far apart that um that you know whatever that it's not even worth talking about them in the same sentence because 
you know, you get that production faster and a lot can happen in two years. You know, injuries can happen. I mean, Trey Sanders got hurt in a car accident this year. You know, that's not even a football injury. It's just something happened in life that that has altered perhaps how we look at him as an NFL prospect. But I am very much I, I kind of trust myself at this point. Like I, I watch enough stuff to kind of to have a very nice, you know, a, a set level where I can I feel like I can kind of compare everything to. And I think that Travion has a significantly higher ceiling than Javante Williams does. Um, I'm not sure if I see the CMC comparisons, and I think it's um, it's not helpful to anybody to compare anybody that's never played a snap in college. McCaffrey, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, but he definitely has, you know, the RB1 upside, not just RB1, the RB1 upside. So, um, and I don't think Javante Williams has that in his, his range of outcomes. Interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I just I wanted to tweak it with a little bit of a Debbie aspect because I know exactly how you would have said it. With It wouldn't even really been that close on the C2C side. I, I'm, I'm telling you, by the end, and we talked a little bit about this on Debbie Debate this week, by the end, if if there is any sort of even moderately positive reporting about Travion coming out of spring practice this year, his value, he's going to be a first-round value in startups this year. I, I, th- I think the hype is going to hit that point by the time you know August rolls around. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, especially going to a high-profile school like Ohio State, I think, I think you're right. Um, so we'll move into to guys who are on the NFL side and guys who have done it already here, um, and that would be Antonio Gibson. Jericho, I'll throw this one to you here. Where do you see uh, Antonio Gibson versus Javante Williams? Yeah, I'm definitely going Antonio Gibson here. His, I think his upside with his size, speed, combination and he's already shown he can do well in the NFL in a season. Um, so I'm going to take his production and his profile over Javante Williams pretty, pretty easily. <laughs> awesome. I think you dropped the ball on that one. Yeah. Jarek said it was too easy. I already <laughs> I know, like people are very split on what his analytical profile was like coming out of college. Well, it, it wasn't great coming out of college, but once you get to the NFL and you can, you know, you see the team trusts him in red zone usage and he's actually getting carries and stuff like that kind of changes the game a little bit from their, their prospect profile. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you guys there. I would lean Gibson as well. Um, and then the last guy we have here for Javante Williams would be CEH. And it's a guy who uh, I'm assuming most analytics, well, I, I know most analytics guys, um, they liked him because of the draft capital. They liked him because of that production that he had at a uh, LSU there in that final year. So, um, you know, down year this year. So, where would you have Javante Williams versus Ceh? Yep, I would definitely be taking Javante Williams over Ceh. I I would say Ceh had. Um, if we were comparing him in last year's class, he had the fifth best profile okay. um, I would have taken, you know, the other four big names ahead of him. Um, it's, it's really that draft capital to Kansas city that boosted his, his stock. But, but I think Javante Williams as a running back is better than Clyde Edwards Hilaire as a running back. Okay. Um, so I, that surprises me a little bit. That's so how do you wait? And this is off the show sheet as well, but how do you, um, you know, ha- values that draft capital into uh, a a running back, especially when it's first round draft capital, 
and you're not seeing very many teams investing that high of draft capital in running backs. Yeah, it's I, I tend to look at it like if you're if you're a running back and you're drafted, especially nowadays in the first two rounds, like a lot of times now, uh, the second round draft capital is is kind of like what first round draft capital used to be because teams are starting to get smarter. I mean, unless you're the Giants and taking Saquon number. You know, <laughs> hey, hey easy on the Saquon slander. I'm a Penn State fan. <laughs> oh, no, I, hey, love Saquon. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Running backs don't matter enough to take them that high. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mostly if if they get first or second round draft capital, I mostly discount which which round they're taking. And it's kind of just it just shows how much opportunity they're going to have. And um, first and second round is pretty. I mean, yes, first round hits more often. Um, but second round is if you have the right profile, I would still take you above a first round running back. Okay. So you're valuing second round draft capital pretty closely to first round draft capital. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I always learn something here every time I talk to Jarek. So, you know, just quick plug again, definitely got to follow this guy. Definitely got to dig into his database because this is one of the fast rising guys in analytics here. Um, but we'll move on to the tight end position, the uh, the redheaded stepchild of our show, I believe is how I referred to it last time. Um, <laughs> so we'll talk. Uh, everybody, you know, everybody loves Kyle Pitts and that profile. So you know, we'll move into a different guy there, and it's a guy who's getting a little bit of buzz, uh, a little bit. You're starting to hear a couple guys talk about him, um, and that would be Brevin Jordan uh, out of Miami. Uh, so how would you value Brevin Jordan versus a guy like Michael Mayer, who I don't know how much he weight five stars, but he was a five-star prospect and has some solid freshman year production. Yeah, his his production is almost off the chart. Michael Mayer's, that is, his production is almost off the charts. Um, it's a, a little bit of a weaker conference, but um, I, would, I would take – him and his his mega production in his freshman year over over Brevin Jordan right now. Interesting, Austin. What about you? Who would you take out of uh, Jordan and Mayer? And we can leave this one in the C two C context. So I agree with what Jarek just said, like the point he just made. But I think, and um, it's actually very interesting. Um, because I feel like you did the opposite of this with taking Jalen Weidermeyer and heavy, heavy hitters over mayor. <laughs> so uh, like, just on that before I continue on. <laughs> a very good question. Cause this was also a topic of debate on Debbie debate this week. I don't think the episode has been released yet. Cause Matt like doesn't have power. He's in Texas, but right. oh, really? It's floating somewhere on somebody's, you know, whatever downloaded somewhere on somebody's computer. So it is is available. But I mean, Wider um, Widermeyer has has really good production as well. It does is, is I don't I don't have it on hand right now, but let's see, Widermeyer. Well, I, let me just oh. so I I said on the show yeah. they were like they were like did Jarek mess up, and I said no. I think if you are a believer in the the concept that tight end takes two or three years to develop and you might as well just accelerate that process by taking the guy that's going to be in the NFL two years earlier. That that's like the one position where if someone says that I understand like where they're coming from a tight end. And I think that 
I sort of agree on a case-by-case basis. So if you believe that that's the case, then taking Brevin Jordan over Michael Mayer and having those two hard years out of the way earlier isn't necessarily a bad idea. I think I would take Jordan. So, yeah, so if if I'm looking at the freshman year of Michael Meyer or Michael Mayer and Jalen Weidermeyer, they were almost identical in their freshman year. Michael Mayer is just a sliver better, but it's it's negligible amount. And but Jalen Weidermeyer came back in his second year and absolutely dominated as well. So that's that's why I took him over Michael Mayer is is that his 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 profile is a little more solidified because he has that extra year and I mean I guess we were talking about C2C at that point but uh, <laughs> but I really like it he's a little bit they're both proven that they'll they'll probably be good but Jalen is a little bit more proven if you will that he has that second season under his belt and and it's a top tier season. Interesting, interesting. I like that. Correcting, uh, uh, correcting the takes off a of Debbie debate here on Cam- on campus. The Canton, uh, <laughs> gotta love it. Um, so uh, we'll move into, and I'll kind of combine these guys here. We'll move into Brevin Jordan versus any of these NFL guys, and that would be Noah Fant, Johnu Smith, and Irv Smith. All guys who were kind of in that second third-ish tier of tight ends, the NFL level. Yeah, so I am taking Noah Fant over Brevin Jordan. He Noah Fant has the athletic profile that I – I mean, he, he has the profile to be a top-tier wide receiver. He's, he's going to explode next year if he can stay healthy, you know. Um, but he is um, – who else? Let's see. Janu, I'm definitely taking – Brevin Jordan over Janu and Brevin Jordan over Irv Smith. He's got, it's got a better profile than both of those. And if he can, it's going to, it's really going to come down to athletic testing because for tight ends transitioning from college to the NFL, a lot of it comes down to their, their speed, really Um, size, speed combination. And it's, that's one of the, one of the more predictive metrics is their speed score transitioning from college to the nfl yeah i mean that makes sense and then especially the fan you want the size speed guys for a fantasy perspective as well so mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm right there with you i would take fant over jordan right now but i would jordan and john is very tough for me because i do like john um and it's going to depend on exactly what john does in free agency this year i think if he stays with Tennessee and Corey Davis goes and he can kind of resume that, assume that number two role. I like that a lot better. Um, so Austin, I'm not sure how you feel about these three tight ends guys. What, what are your thoughts on Fant, Johnu Smith, and then versus Jordan? So um, I, yeah, I'm going to do this real quick. I'll see when he, oh, he's ready. He's back. Um, so I, I think Fant is the only guy that I can say I would definitively take over him. Um, I mean, tight end's pretty much a total mess after those top four or five guys. I'm pulling up my rankings right now to see where I have them ranked because I'm pretty sure they're all close. Okay, so I, I have Noah Fant number five. 
And then I have Johnu 11, Herb Smith 12, Brevin Jordan 13. Oof. So, <laughs> like, there's, like, no distinguishable difference between the two. I don't – so I don't think um, – I like I, like I don't think there's a scenario where I would trade one straight up for the other. I'd like if someone came to me, I'd make them add something to it because I'm not just making a lateral move for the Fair. sake of making a lateral move. Right. Um, but I mean, I think Fant is clearly above those guys, and then I think after that, you could put them in any particular order, and I wouldn't call you a dummy for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and then we'll, we'll close out this segment. We'll circle back to wide receiver, but this is a guy that I know is one of your guys there, Jarek, too. So uh, we'll talk a little bit of Rashad Bateman. Uh, what? How would you take Rashad Bateman versus Keenan Allen? Oh, definitely Rashad Bateman. I think uh, from a value perspective, uh, one, Rashad Bateman is is going to go up in value and Keenan Allen is going to be on his way down. But even from if we're not just talking about value, but but years of of fantasy points. I mean, I think Bateman is my number two receiver right behind Chase, and he's actually in the same tier as Chase for me. So I am very high on Bateman, and he's even even seeing the mocks and stuff out there. He's he's underrated for for his his production profile is it is pristine like if if chase i don't if chase didn't have such a uh i don't know if if justin jefferson didn't come in and destroy this year i may have rashad bateman over over chase but they're they're neck and neck for me either way gotcha yeah i mean that's that's very interesting there i I like Bateman a lot too. I have him slotted as my number four wide receiver and he's in that top tier. So I, uh, the top four guys for me, uh, Waddle, Chase, Moore, Bateman uh, are all very, very close. So I, I, while Bateman is at four, I don't fault anybody for putting him at two. I love his profile as well, but I would, Man, that is a tough one too. See, uh, you know, Austin thought that he was going to trip you up with this one. He ends up tripping me up. <laughs> um, I, I would probably lean Keenan Allen because I think he's going to have a really good year the next two years with uh, with Herbert there, and we don't have a landing spot yet for Bateman. Um, but Austin, since you came up with this question, how about we throw that one over to you? What do you think, Bateman versus Allen? Yeah, that could be one of the, I think like that's, that, that trade has the potential where if somebody came to you and like, you know, like the one tens on the board and they're like, I'll take, I'll trade you this pick for Keenan Allen and you're going to take Rashad Bateman. That's one of those trades where like you're, if you're trading for Keenan Allen, you're like this idiot, like I'm going to get all this production out of Keenan Allen. And then like six months later, you're like, I, I really, really effed up. Like I think I, I think I think I think I think it has a potentially one of those trades, but I I have Keenan Allen ranked ahead of Rashad Bateman in my rankings, um, and so I th- I think I would take Allen straight up if I had to choose between one of those two. It's very close though I think. Um, yeah, and Colin, then- you're you're talking about a landing spot earlier. I just want to add that my rankings don't really change that much off landing spot. Like looking at the team that they're going to land on. Not too much. Like if he ends up going at the back of the third round, I I might have, well, I would have a little bit of concern around his profile at that point. Um, but, but as if he, if he goes in the first or second round, 
doesn't really matter to me what what team he goes to because I'm a strong believer of talent over over the uh, where your landing spot is for the team. That's a guy after Austin's heart there. Uh, <laughs> Austin's mentioned, yeah, Austin's mentioned a couple times. He's uh, definitely a big believer in talent versus landing spot. I, I do like talent over landing spot, but I definitely I would be lying if I said I didn't factor landing spot in, which that could trip you up at times for sure. Um, but it's just it's hard to hard to overlook that tantalizing opportunity that you know of somebody That's being a clear cut wide receiver one. That that is true. My my last statement was more of an AJ Brown statement. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I learned the lesson the hard way with Rashad Penny the year he came out. Oh and luckily, yeah. Luckily, so I only took him in one league. I only had a couple leagues at that time. Like I've really fallen down the rabbit hole since then. <laughs> But it was actually with Colin. Colin had, what, the 105 or the 106 or something in a rookie draft. And it was right when Jarek McKinnon had signed with San Francisco, I think. I had McKinnon yep. on my roster. And Colin was like, "I yeah, like I, there might be like another small piece involved. But the, the gist of the trade was McKinnon for that pick. And it turns out that both of us lost because he got McKinnon <laughs> and I got Rashad Penny. <laughs> so... We're both losers. <laughs> I think you're right. I'm pretty sure I'm almost positive it was straight up. Um, I had Tevin Coleman on my roster too. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just solidify that whole backfield. And <laughs> did not go well. <laughs> um, so we'll uh, we'll move into uh, Rashad Bateman versus another guy here that I know is very near and dear after your heart, Jarek, and that's Traylon Burks. I've seen you talk about him a lot on this here and we'll move into Bateman versus Burks. Yep. That I love, love Traylon Burks. He's my number two wide receiver in his 2022 class. Um, but I I have to go with Rashad Bateman here because <sighs> Bateman just had a dynamite freshman season and and just hasn't hasn't regressed since then, at least from from a production standpoint um, and, and Burks, yeah, he had a good, a, a good enough freshman season and a really good second season, but, but Bateman still outproduced him in both seasons. And, and I'm, I'm his, his profile is pretty, is locked in at this point And I would, I would go with Bateman. Interesting. Austin, I know you're at a big Burks guy there as well. What would you have Bateman versus Burks? I have them both graded very similarly based on a tape grade. Um, it's basically like a push. I guess if you made me choose. Gun to your head. <laughs> gun to my head. I think I would choose Bateman. Yeah. I have them, I have them both in one league. Very excited. <laughs> you can blame Al- Alfred. Alfred gave me Burks. It was a very nice, it was a very nice present. Oh, I heard about that one. Oh my gosh. That is. Yeah, any trader getting Bergson is is just beautiful. I ended up drafting him. This so you know the Debbie startup that I was talking about this mm-hmm. last year. I ended up getting Traylon Burks in like the 30, 35th round or something like that, using my database. Um, <laughs> but he was he was the top producer on his team, and everyone was taking Trey Knox ahead of him. And I was like, mm, Burks seems better, and he's a beast. So. I'm gonna take Burke. He had, and as Alfred always says, he has the um, he has the special teams production at as well for a 6'3", 230 pound player on special teams is is nuts. 
any any man that catches a punt like a pass, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, it turns into a demigod at that point in my rankings. It's like, wait, Bateman never did that shit. I need to rethink my uh, maybe I think Burks. I don't know. <laughs> no, that is a tough one though. I I would lean see. You, I know Austin, you mentioned when it's like you don't really factor too much in about like what class they're in, but when it's this close for me, I'm going to lean Bateman just because I'm going to get him on the NFL side next year where these guys are so close that I have to, I have to come up with something to separate them. And I think that's what I'll use here for, to take Bateman. That's fair. And just another tidbit, cause I know this triggers Alfred so hard when we talk about this. trade. <laughs> so the best part about this trade, well, he gave me a Marion Brown and Traylon Burks for Tyler Lockett and uh, Tyler Lockett actually had like his big week the week after I traded him. So that trade looked really good for like, 10 days for Alfred. (laughs) The best best part about that deal is that we initially talked Seth Williams and Alfred didn't want to give up Seth Williams. So he gave me Traylon Burks instead. No. At what what point of the season was this? um, Like week eight, maybe week seven. It was somewhere around there. I blew up my team like right around week seven. I still made the playoffs. Like my team, my team like limped into the playoffs and like, I actually think I won my first round matchup or like was close. And my team was like, crap. I was like, what? but <laughs> I mean, yeah. after eight, after eight weeks into the season, you definitely know Traylon Burks was good. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to look and see what the, what week that trade was, but yeah. So I know Alfred will listen to this like three days from now. This is payback yeah. because he called me Austin Nance on his damn <laughs> pod. So <laughs> We weren't really friends. So, <laughs> not really friends, and I'm burning you on my show. <laughs> I would expect a DM or something, Austin, uh, after after Alfred finally listened to this. Alfred, we're going to apologize about that. For anybody who listens to the show and, and doesn't follow uh, Alfred, uh, he changed his handle. It's Alfred JF now, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, Alfred JF on Twitter. He's also the uh, the guy who runs Why Wait Till Sunday. Good friend of friend of ours, friend of the program, friend of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> um, so we'll move into uh, the next guy on the list here. We'll go Rashad Bateman um, versus a guy that's a little bit more polarizing here in Juju Smith Schuster. So Jericho, throw that one to you there. Where would you have Bateman versus Juju? I. I'm definitely going to take Bateman at this point too. I'm just so on the Bateman train. I don't, I don't think you're going to get me off it. <laughs> like Juju's a value has kind of cratered in the last well, couple of years now, but I would, I think Rashad Bateman is, is both a better talent and will have a better value moving forward. Man, that's, that's really interesting. Austin, what would you say about Bateman versus Juju? Juju, Juju, Juju. <laughs> I, I I still think Juju like is the most screaming buy in all of like fantasy dynasty stuff on the NFL I, side. I would I, agree with you there. I, I really, really do. I mean, I guess you know maybe Michael Thomas is just because he might be a tier higher than Juju, and you can probably get him for a little cheaper. But I I just think Juju's value. Like I I've seen like somebody the other day said that they traded two seconds for Juju on Twitter and the consensus was like, well, this is such a deep draft. Why would you give up two seconds for Juju? And I was like, are, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> did, I, did I miss something? Like, I, I don't even think that's close. Like that's a steal for Juju. If I can get him even for close to that price, I I'm doing that all day. I think, you know, I, I think he's going to be largely landing spot, you know, 
proof. I think he'll do well wherever he ends up landing this offseason. And if Ben retires, there are whispers that he's coming back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, yeah? There's there, you might be back? Yeah, yeah, there, there are. Um, especially with the cap being a couple mil higher than they initially thought it might be. I guess maybe we should have talked about that in the news. I don't know. But um, – <laughs> whatever uh whoever came up with that show she did a terrible job <laughs> might, might have been me um but but yeah i think i think with those those considerations there are rumors that juju might come back now whether that happens or not i don't know but gotcha that would definitely make things more interesting obviously if ben leaves if it's contingent on ben leaving now we have no idea what the quarterback situation is so that's another factor that you would have to take into consideration there um uh, so we'll uh, we'll close out the Bateman segment um, with a guy in college here. Um, you know, uh, he's a guy that I know uh, I know Jarek likes as well. So let's see here. I think I know where he's going to lean based on what he said so far, but but we'll give it a shot here. We'll go Bateman versus Quentin Johnston out of TCU. I was going to say, do you guys want to guess my answer here? <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be Rashad Bateman again. He's well, as I've said. I think three times already. His profile is just magic. What's let's let's go off of the uh, off of this here. Is there any receiver on the college side of things right now that you would take over Bateman? So I'm sure there's some NFL guys that you would still take over Bateman. Um, well, what is, is the college side? That is a good. That is a good question. <laughs> For, if I'm playing it like I don't care about draft year just want to take the most talented player hmm maybe david bell okay i like that answer he had that great freshman year great um, great sophomore year now and he's just on a on a great trajectory um i think he's good there would be argument for taking kayshawn boutte he seems like a rare, rare talent as well. Um, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could do it or not, but maybe Bell and, well, yeah. Maybe I'll, Bell, I'll maybe Boutte. Yeah, maybe, maybe. The triple Bs, Bell, Boutte, and Bateman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, what about you? Uh, I, I have a feeling I know which way you would lean in this one, but how about you just rank all three of them, Bell, Bateman, Boutte? I think I would go Boutte. Wow. Okay. Uh, actually, I have C2C rankings. Let's pull those up before I say something. <laughs> <laughs> before we catch Don't you. contradict <laughs> yourself. Uh, they're all, I have Bell as my third wide receiver. Boutte is my fourth. They're like identical, like in terms of, in my opinion. And then Bateman is probably below those two, um, to be honest. And a C2C, I think for sure. I think, I think both those guys are going to absolutely crush the next couple of years, Bell and, and Boutte. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially with uh, Rondell Moore going. I think Bell is just going to have a phenomenal year this year. That's why Bell's my wide receiver one as well. It sounds like that's kind of where you're at too, Jarek. Wide receiver one for the C2C side. Yep, wide receiver one for sure. Uh, anytime I agree with with Jarek, I always fe- come away feeling way better. <laughs> um, that's that's why I took him as my number one wide receiver in the mock draft. In the heavy hitters. Yeah, I was- yeah, I was upset. I was upset about that one. Um, I mean, I couldn't pass up uh, Bajan, but 
you got fantastic value there too. He <laughs> dropped a little bit, and then that that was a good pick. Yeah, that was that was my favorite one of the, of the draft. Uh, it was Bijan there, but all right, man. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. This is something we've been needed to do for a while. Um, and like I said, I couldn't think of a better guest to have on episode one here. So, um, Jarek, thanks for joining us. Um, just tell the people one more time where they can find you, find your work. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Jarek Backus. Um, I'm sure the link will probably be in the show notes or something. Um, or you can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash Debbie Data. Um, or you can go to my Twitter and it's linked there as well. Mr. Debbie Data and Mr. Debbie Dietz over here with Austin. I like that. I like that. Um, all right. Well, we're going to wrap up the, the show here, guys. Um, you know, keep on the lookout for our show, uh, Campus Life, also coming this week here soon. I believe we're going to drop that one on Monday this week. Um, and we also have some other potentially big news here that we've been teasing for a little bit, hopefully dropping that one on Monday as well at this point. I think we're looking pretty good for that timeline still. Um, so we'll, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see there for sure, but I think we're looking good for that timeline still. Um, but uh, this is Colin. This is Austin. And that's Jarek. This is um... <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't practice that in case you could did it yeah we did it i i i, I kind of butchered the ending there i had the whole <laughs> beginning written uh, you know i scripted that out practiced it in the mirror six seven times um but i did not practice the ending so <laughs> as usual colin can't finish so we'll end on that note <laughs> be sure to rate and review guys we'll uh we'll talk to you later <laughs> okay. thanks jerk <laughs>